I'm Vincent Richter with Richter Farm and Ranch in Thrall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's always great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, work continues to protect the right to farm here in Texas. This week, it was a Senate Agriculture Committee hearing reviewing another bill that would do just that. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In talking with Texas High Plains farmers about the season ahead, one topic that keeps coming up is those higher interest rates. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts on handling credit challenges. We'll go to the Texas Concho Valley to find out what the cotton planting intentions are as cotton planting time is fast approaching. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a San Angelo farmer on Texas Ag Today. The recent cold snap has grain farmers nervous in the central Texas black rain region. This is Dr. Shay McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The efforts to protect Texas farmers and ranchers' right to farm continue in the state legislature. This time, it's on the Senate side of the Capitol with SB 1421 by Senator Charles Perry, who chairs the Senate Committee on Water, Agriculture, and Rural Affairs. He told the committee on Monday that urban Texas is growing at the expense of Texas agriculture. In the last 20 years, our state has seen about a 48% increase in population every day in Texas. We gain 1,200 people and we lose 640 acres of agricultural land. Agricultural Code 251 was enacted over 30 years ago to protect agriculture in this state. However, in recent years, farmers and ranchers face an increase in government overreach and nuisance violations. Jared Root testified in favor of the bill. He operates a small acreage cattle finishing operation and produces honey for direct sales to consumers in Flower Mound. That's an urban area between Dallas and Denton. He recently offered to let local FFA members who live in subdivisions to raise their livestock projects on his land for free. However, the city quickly shut it down. They required a complicated permit and enforced an unjustified discriminatory ordinance prohibiting any swine within the city limits, except for pot-bellied pigs. James Oliver is a rancher in Ozona in southwest Texas. He told the committee the bill is vital to protecting the future of Texas farms and ranches. As our population grows and demographics change, we are facing unprecedented issues. As urban, suburban, and exurban areas encroach, 
on private farms and ranches that in many cases have been there for generations. We also have unique challenges in truly rural areas where population growth and fragmentation result in new neighbors that don't understand or accept the realities of living next to a working agricultural operation. There are also efforts in the legislature to add a constitutional protection for the right to farm here in Texas. Brazil is a growing competitor on the world cotton market. For years, they've been a big corn and soybean growing nation, but cotton production has taken a big leap forward in the last 10 years. That's according to Darren Hudson, agricultural economist at Texas Tech. If you look back to 2010, Brazil represented about 6% of global trade, uh, where the U.S. was about 40%. In this last year, 2022, the U.S. was about 30% and Brazil was about 20%. So Brazil's quickly moving up in terms of its role in international trade. And then if you look at just total production, there are about 13 to 14 million bales and can easily get past 16 million bales with in a few years. Hudson says if this continues, Brazil will eventually produce more cotton than the U.S. Higher interest rates are adding more costs to grow crops and livestock. James Hunt looks at some ways to handle these credit challenges. Texas High Plains farmers gearing up for the 2023 crop season find themselves in a challenging environment when it comes to credit. Operating interest rates have become a more significant factor for producers. D.D. Jones is a risk management specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife. A year ago, most of my guys were getting probably 6 to 7% interest. And a lot of the ones I'm working with today are getting around 9% interest this year, which is going to add probably 15 to 30 bucks an acre in variable costs just by paying that extra interest expense. Unfortunately for farmers, they don't have a magic wand to make those interest rates come back down. But Jones says they can do some things to control the impact. You know, operating interest rates, it's essentially a line of credit. So you are going to get charged interest on whatever draws you make on that operating note. So if you can find a way to pay cash for more of your expenses or keep those operating expenses down a little bit, either through locking in some natural gas prices or anything you can do to make your cost lower this year, that is going to have a effect that you pay less interest on your operating note. As for just simply being able to get an operating note for this season, Jones says most of the farmers she works with have been able to do so. But good financial management and record keeping have become very important as farmers work with lenders. As they sit down with those bankers, they got to do a 12-month projected cash flow statement. So they need to know what their costs are going to be, and then they also need to market effectively so they can get some decent prices in there so they can show those bankers that even in the case of a very uncertain market, they have a plan in order to remain profitable. Once again, that was D.D. Jones with the AgriLife Center in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA releases its prospective planting report on Friday, and everyone is expecting it to show less cotton planted across the cotton belt this year. Tom Nicoletti goes to the Texas Concho Valley to check on cotton planting intentions there. My guest today is Brett Schneers. He is a cotton farmer in Tom Green County, San Angelo, is where I caught up with him uh, recently. And uh, Brett, you're a couple of months away from uh, planting cotton. What are your prospects for this year, considering uh, that uh, this region of the state, like others, uh, still uh, in the middle of a drought and uh, market prices are certainly volatile? Well, you know, the drought that we came off of last year was a sure tough one to handle. And so as a cotton farmer, we go into each year with new ambitions, and, and uh, this year will 
will be no no different. So we're looking forward to a great year. We're hoping that that's the case. Uh, we sure in dire need of rainfall yet. We've had some some winter moisture that's helped us get to the point where we're at now. But before cotton, cotton planting comes along here in the next couple months, by mid-May, we're sure going to need some more to fall on us before we can get the seed in the ground. Now, prior to planting your cotton, you're going to uh, put the corn seeds in the ground. And uh, the question for you is, are you going to cut back on cotton acreage this year due to uh, the volatile prices uh, and the drought? Uh, the National Cotton Council and the U.S. Department of Agriculture are both estimating that uh, cotton acres uh, planted this year across the cotton belt will be down. Our operation, we really revolve a lot around rotation. So we're probably not going to get out of our rotation too much. Our cotton acreage is going to be about the same as it was last year. We may be down just a little bit, but for the most part, we're going to be about the same. Our corn acres are going to drop a little bit due to lack of underground water right now. Our, our aquifer is uh, at levels that we haven't seen in quite some time. And, and, our, and our wheat acres are up a little bit. So that's, taking, that's going to take some cotton acres away and some corn acres away as well. That is farmer Brett Schneers from San Angelo in Tom Green County. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The recent cold snap has grain farmers nervous in the central Texas blacklands. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Corn and grain sorghum planting got off to a great start, and many producers are through, while the northern part of central Texas is just getting started planting. Now, corn in McLennan County has had a great weather pattern. Uh, before the frost that came, corn has emerged, got off to a great start. Our wheat and oat fields also look very promising in front of this cold spell. For McLennan County and areas to the south, there is concern about a frost that occurred on March 19th. Temperatures hovered near freezing and there was a killing frost. The frost only lasted a short time, uh, about an hour before the sun came up. Warm season forages look like Bermuda grass were bent back severely and it was actually noticeable that day. Wheat plants and corn leaves did show some early signs of frost damage, but producers won't really know to what extent that damage occurred until three to five days after the frost event actually happened. There was another light frost on March 20th, wasn't near as damaging as the frost on the 19th. There is some optimism that corn will be okay. The plant may look bad for a while, but hopefully grow out of it. We think that growing point was still below the soil surface on most of our corn, so it, it should be protected. Early planted wheat and then earlier maturing varieties would be the most susceptible wheat to winter freeze injury. Again, we'll just have to wait a few days and see where we're at on the cold damage. Did not get cold enough to set back our cool season annual forages like ryegrass. The frost we had in mid-December when the temperatures were, were near zero uh, sure killed a lot of ryegrass, killed a lot of good grazing. Uh, we still have some good to decent grazing in pastures for our livestock. We're sure hopeful and thankful, I should say, that the frost this time did not get our grazing. Looking back over the last 365 days, depending on where you live in McLennan County, we are still negative 16 to a negative 4 in the amount of rainfall that we received uh, in the last 365 days. Now, for the last 90 days, McLennan County is only negative 4 to 1 inch from receiving our normal expected rainfall for the last 90 days. So over time, we're slowly catching up. We just need average or expected rainfall. March, we've been a little bit more on the dry side. We've only received about 21% of our expected rainfall, which is about 1.3 inches. Timely rains will be critical to carry our crops through the growing season, especially before we plant cotton and to fill our area lakes and reservoirs. There's still a need there as our lakes are a little over half full. We need rain to help our warm season grasses also 
as they emerge here in late in March and early into April, so we can cut some hay. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved a few changes to saltwater fishing regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And newborn calves sometimes have a hard time breathing. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Newborn calves sometimes have a hard time breathing. Dr. Bob Judd looks at the different ways to resuscitate a new calf. It is important to know what is normal for a calf so you can tell when you see abnormal. Dr. Jeff Smith indicates calves should breathe within 30 seconds of delivery and be capable of lifting the head in three minutes, be capable to sit up in five minutes, and should be trying to stand in 20 minutes. If any of these parameters are not met, the calf may need assistance, as they generally will not nurse on time to get colostrum and will become weak. Stressed calves also have irregular breathing, hemorrhages around the eyes, or swollen head and tongue indicative of a difficult birth, and possible blue mucous membranes. Any calf that is born to a difficult birth automatically needs extra care and support, and there is no need to wait to see how the calf will respond. If you have an iPhone, there is an app available on the App Store for $3 from the University of Wisconsin-Madison called the Vigor Score, and that is V-I-G-O-R. This is similar to the APGAR score used in human infants and gives you parameters to plug in and determine the health status of the calf. If you are raising expensive embryo calves or just want to do a better job helping your calves, you can get an inexpensive oxygen bottle and mask that will help these calves respond quicker. Clear the air passages and stick a piece of hay in the nose or pour a small amount of cold water in the ear to stimulate the calf to breathe. If the calf will not sit up sternly, make sure you prop the calf up to help prevent pneumonia. If necessary to stimulate calves to breathe, you can use a respiratory stimulant drug called doxapram given in the vein from your veterinarian. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission has approved a few changes to saltwater fishing regulations. Jessica Domel takes a look at those changes in today's wildlife report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission recently approved several proposed changes to saltwater fishing regulations in state waters. Dacus Gieslin, Deputy Director for Coastal Fisheries for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, told the commission the changes would mirror recent changes to federal saltwater fishing regulations. The purpose of these changes is to reduce confusion for anglers that may be fishing in both state and federal waters and also make for consistent enforcement within state waters. 
Thanks to the Commission's approval, in September, TPWD will add shortfin mako sharks to the list of prohibited shark species for both recreational and commercial anglers. We very rarely see these in our landings. The stock is declining. I want to mirror that federal regulation of no retention or harvest of this species. Anglers who are fishing for reef fish like red snapper will now also be required to carry a device designed to reduce the deaths of reef fish. It simply requires anglers to have a venting tool or descending device to rigged and ready to use. Research shows that this practice in catch and release really reduces the mortality within this suite of species, these deep dwelling fish. The final change to the 2023-2024 saltwater fishing regulations is a change to the daily bag limit for cobia or ling. Our next proposal includes a bag limit change for cobia from two fish per person per day to one fish per person per day. This change is proposed to address declining stocks of cobia. The original proposal would have also set a vessel limit for cobia. However, the commission did not approve that provision. The changes will go into effect September 1st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle finished slightly higher on Tuesday, feeder cattle lower, and the cotton market hit limit up. We'll check all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded in both directions on Tuesday with live cattle moving higher, feeder cattle moving lower. April live cattle up a nickel to close at 164.95, the June up to 158.90, while August was up 12 cents. 158.72. A drop in the feeder market. March feeder cattle down 62 cents, 191.72. April down 40, 197.22. The May contract down 57 at $200, 80 cents a hundredweight. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Tuesday. Feedlots here in the South asking 165 to 166 this week. Boxed beef prices higher Tuesday. Choice up 52 cents at 280.88. Select up 94 at 270.66. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Colt Adams, my guest. Colt Adams, El Campo Livestock Exchange. They sell them every Tuesday. Colt, it's Tuesday. What's the sale looking like? Yes, sir, Mr. Larry. We're tagging in on around 500 head tonight. Uh, pretty good strings of calves through here. Did have some three-quarter blood heifers we went and picked up a while ago. This should be medium bred, a really fancy set of heifers. We will have about 80 weaned calves tomorrow. They've been had three, two rounds of shots and be weaned right at 90 days. And then uh, we will have lots of Charlotte cross steers and heifers tomorrow. And it's just some really good calves all the way throughout. Uh, I tell you what, these guys are doing a good job of raising them, and, and uh, the prices are taste are good, so they're really bringing them to town. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that sale. Yes, sir. You can give me a call on my sale at 361-920-1618. 
or call my brother there at Tyler Adams at 361-920-1620 or call Home Wrap Ratio at 979-216-8084. And I want to let all of our listeners know we will have our special sale the April 8th and we will have right at 60 bulls, be about 40 Charlotte bulls, uh, some Hartford bulls, some Brangus bulls, Brayford bulls, um, lots of different bulls. And we'll have about 85 F1 Brayford cows, four to five years old, be heavy breads and pears and uh, some 300, 100 head of three quarter blood heifers that'll be heavy breads or pears. We will have some uh, Brangus heifers that'll be heavy breads or pears. Lots of good F1 Brayford open heifers. Just a really uh, probably about 800 head of females and about 60 bulls, Mr. Larry. Sounds like a good sale coming. Uh, tell everybody what the date is again. April the 8th, right here at the cell barn at 12 noon, right here in El Campo. Give us your phone number right quick again. Yes, sir. 361-920-1618. Colt, thank you a bunch. Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a good night. Of course, that's Colt Adams, and they're selling today in El Campo. Well, neighbor, there's your livestock auction report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs close lower Tuesday. April hogs dropped 87 cents, 77.75. April class three milk was down 26 cents at 19.50 a hundredweight. Cotton markets seeing good strength the second day in a row. In fact, the nearby May was limit up 300 points. The market is very oversold right now, along with a weaker U.S. dollar and a stronger Dow, all helping to boost prices. May cotton up 300 points, up the limit at 82.52. July cotton up 298 points, 82.97. The new crop December up 253 at 83.28 cents. Corn was mixed, old crop lower, new crop higher. May corn down a penny, 647 and a quarter. September corn up two at 580 and a half. Wheat continues to get support from the weather. Not much rain in the seven-day forecast for the hard red winter wheat growing areas of the country. Also, sub-freezing temperatures reaching as far south as the Texas Panhandle this week. July, Kansas City wheat up another 11 and three quarters, 859 and a quarter. July, Chicago wheat up two at 711 and a half. In the energy markets, April natural gas down seven cents at 201. May, West Texas crude up 58, 7339 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 80 points, 32,357. The Nasdaq down 81 at 11,689. The S&P down 14, 3,963. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.